everybody. It's Jonah Pallone, and welcome to Owner Operated. I want to bring you with me on my journey into the world of small business. Listen, when I was growing up, my parents supported me no matter what career path I chose to pursue. But most people just told me to follow the normal path and get a job at a big company with quote unquote job security and benefits. I started down a path pursuing business and I went to UNC Keenan Flagler for undergrad. It was great, but almost everything I was taught in the business school centered around big business and startups. Now during college, I was fortunate enough to land a position where I get to be around small business owners every day. I get to see their books, how they make tough decisions every day. I know a lot more about these small business owners than some of their spouses even. And with Owner Operated, I wanna let you in behind the curtain a little bit as to the conversations I've been having with these business owners. I think you'd be a little bit surprised. Listen, my entire life, I've heard people give business owners a bad rap. They would say, you know, they're greedy. They don't care about their employees or they're just in it for the money. Since I've gotten involved with working with small business owners at Midstreet, helping them sell their companies, I've learned that often the exact opposite is true. Small business owners are typically the most giving and supportive people I'm around. So I'm on a mission to get the word out that small business ownership is a good thing. I'm going to share the good, but also the bad and the ugly. You know, we're going to get into the emotions, a lot of hard work that these business owners put into their business, the blood, sweat, and tears, and just what makes these businesses so special, the people behind them. And again, guys, my name is Jonah Pallone. I work at a business called Midstreet Mergers and Acquisitions in Raleigh, North Carolina with a core team of four folks who I consider family. So thank you so much for listening and enjoy this episode of the Owner Operated Podcast. My guest today is Ed Nicholson, owner of Capital City Lumber Company, a family business located in Raleigh, providing lumber throughout the Southeast. Right off the bat, I have to apologize. There was some audio static noise a couple of times throughout the podcast. Um, I believe we figured out what the problem was, so it doesn't happen next time, but just so you know. Also, we recorded at the facility of Capital City Lumber, so you'll hear some background noise. I'm hoping that it's not too bad. Um, just an FYI. Ed and I had an awesome conversation. We talked about family business dynamics, the importance of understanding how money flows through your company's books, and he gave some really good advice to aspiring and current small business owners. So if any of that interests you, keep listening and enjoy. Your grandfather starts the company, it's 1947, is mm -hmm. it? So that's just after the war. Mm -hmm. um, he's in his late 30s. And his partners back out on him. Two, two of his partners back out on him. Mm -hmm. How did, I mean, you must have heard stories that traveled down from your father. Or, I mean, did you know your grandpa well? Or I, I did. I mean, he was, he was of that generation where you just didn't, you don't, you, you don't talk a lot. You know, it's more just, I mean, we kidded around and stuff, but it, sure. was, it, was, it was more of a serious thing. You know, back then. In the 70s, kids were supposed to be seen and not heard and weren't the center of attention. You know, when we'd go out to dinner, it was like the parents talked and stuff mm -hmm. and the kids sat there, you know, <laughs> tried to behave and, you know, put their best foot forward. So uh, it was a different time. But um, but, but he he was uh, he was he, he very much into the bookkeeping side of the business. Um I'm myself a little bit more that way. I'm more of, uh, on the, the balance sheet side from a standpoint of uh, business analyzation and you know making sure we're well, well capitalized. Um, you know we've gone through ups and downs in the market. One thing that we did instill 
um, way back um, when we became an S-Corp back in, I think, 68, is we changed from a, a FIFO-type inventory to a, a LIFO-type inventory, which gave us an ability to um, to put in reserves uh, money and or profits from a year's business, which would offset inflation and um you know, and it's, it's it's basically a way of retaining retaining earnings for future Got it. Uh, costs. And was that, that something that your dad implemented, or I think my granddad and my dad worked together worked together so with their accountant yeah. to sort of develop, you know, change from a uh, a standard C corp to uh, corporation to a, a subchapter S corporation type so, of thing. So, so that's really one of the things I wanted to get into when I was reading about your story was, you know, your dad coming into the business with your grandpa. How did he, I mean, you do you have any stories about how that integration process was it basically became a one-man I mean obviously he had more employees in the business but mm-hmm. it was a founder-led business to now it's a family business that sort of transition right yeah what what did he kind of how did they work together did they have a different set of skills that kind of complemented each other well we had a real strong um, general manager that that I came into the business up under two um, and, and I did leave the business for a while. And upon his passing was really when my dad sort of said, hey, if you want to come back into the business, this is the time to do it because I'm really going to need help. I'm going to need leadership help because he was such a – his name was Johnny Kelly, and he, he was known in the area. But he and my dad really would um, go back and forth on things. And um, – you know, it was it was a different time back then. You know, um, everything was cash and carry. Um, I mean, we we did have a pretty large accounts receivables that we did. We had three to four hundred active, um, uh, you know, account receivable accounts that we, you know, we send out regular monthly statements to, and you know that was a big deal. You know, as we became computerized. You know, the first part of our computerization was, uh, our, of course, our inventory, because you know that's all of our widgets. That's where the value is. That's where you know everything. So, you know, we we um, got it. Um, we worked with a company called Enterprise, and had and it was uh, it ended up being a Unix-based system, but they called it when it first came in what was called it was called Rev Seven. And the th- the the whole thing was like the size of a refrigerator. It had tape thing, you know, and a special room that had to be air conditioned and stuff. And 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 all it did was keep up with our inventory. We still couldn't, you know, we still had to close down annually for a week and do physical, physical counts count. mm-hmm. and stuff. Whereas now, you know, all that stuff is we're able to do that uh, through cycle counting. You know, just in time kind of thing over the course of the year, and we so we so we don't lose a whole week of sales like we did, but way back when you know because we in two thousand seven we upgraded to even a much better computer system that gave us an ability to do that. We were able to integrate the the general ledger system, the payroll system, all that stuff online we, one yeah, platform. Uh, we've since sort of flushed out the payroll. Part because it was always very expensive having a payroll service, 
Um, and then, but then so many people were doing it. I think the cost came down. It's kind of like insurance. Mm-hmm. So we, so now we do the, you know, that's the way we do our, uh, our payroll now, you know, is we're working with a, with an outside company on that part. So we try to outsource as much as we can with that kind of thing. Um, by all, you know, our biggest thing here is the inventory, keeping up with that. Mass um, amount of it. I mean, just being is, out on the yard, is, it was yeah, very it's, hectic. It is, yeah, it is. And it's a lot to keep up with I am still the only one in the business that has the authority to actually change counts on stuff we run stuff through a program and it's put into something called what we call a PIP report and it's basically just counts random counts that are done each day and then um, I'm able to uh, to run uh, something called an RPI report, which gives me like a variance, which is the difference between what the computer said we had uh, perpetually and what the person counted. And then we also have a book value or whatever, but, but you know, we keep up with all that stuff. So um, you're probably confusing some people, but yeah, right. <laughs> others are, but, others are tracking. <laughs> yeah. But, but, uh, and I get into the inertia of things. That's, that's typical of me. Uh, and it, you know, it, it, I think the biggest thing for me is I, is I always worked hard um, or feel like I was a hard worker and that's what this business is. This business is, is a type of business that um, is small enough that it's not like, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to play golf. I mean, I could. There are a lot of businesses that really try to grow and they get to like that next step and they've got all these loans out and stuff. We really kept it small because both my granddad, my dad, and myself have always had the philosophy that we want our hands in the business. And if we're going to put our hard-earned money into a business, invest in a business, then we want to know and track where everything is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't get debt out of hand and, and all don't that stuff. Don't yourself. Don't over-leverage yeah. yourself, right? So so, so you're, you just said something interesting that, that came out to me. You said that you took some time off from the business. So you were in high school... And mm-hmm. I guess walk me through this p- pattern, right? So you're 16 years old, uh-huh. helping out on the business. Right. Did you always know this is where you would end up? Well, I, it, it, it's interesting because I think my dad really wanted me to be in the business. And he'd always bring me over and say, yeah, I was the only boy. And he was of the mind frame that, you know, girls can't do this. You know, it was like it was a different time. So I did have a lot of pressure on me as a kid to sort of be interested in it and and uh, and and sort of take it on and I I was I was hyperactive so put me on something like unloading a truckload was the perfect thing for me because it got rid of the energy they also when I was 17 I got the year the summer before I didn't work and I got in a bunch of trouble with a bunch of hippies in high school and they that the next summer they sent me they sent me up to New York with a buddy of mine to work on his granddad's farm and we we built a haymow all the way up to the you know top up in New York State you know so I came back all buff and everything but but you know I, I was one of those people that I had to have had my to hands have, had, to, had to have my hands on mm-hmm. on stuff and I'm still that way I do all the shop work now you know we do a lot of um what we're doing now, especially as we've integrated online sales, 
is we've we tried to create um, a way to sell beyond the state um, through our total wood store and we we do a lot of remanning a product so that it could ship easier so that it's more craft related that kind of thing so what I do myself and and I've got another guy under me that will can step in and do it as well is we'll go and get the raw material the rough raw material get it up to the shop get it processed the way that that we promote it on the total wood store and then sent out to the end customer and then that end customer gets it in a box and they're able to do whatever they want to do with it um that part of our business has really grown has really grown i mean it's still i would say the, the bulk of our business is walking trade at this point so our brick and mortar is very 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 important but and location is everything location 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 but um you know, when the downturn came in 2008, we were computerized, but we weren't computerized beyond our internal server and how we controlled thing. Everything was still very closed. We, you know, you, we, we didn't do a lot of online stuff. I mean, we might have had a, a real rough, you know, cold fusion website or something, but we did. But it was it was. It wasn't anything like it is now, mm. and I, I, I really can't take credit for that. That's really more my sister, my younger sister, who came into the business, who is now um, the treasurer controller, and um, she has really developed, and that's co- sort of her her baby. I'm really sort of like a worker in that, and sort of yes, ma'am, yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. So. Um, but you know we're we're getting known for for being able to to do a lot of things that a lot of other small lumber companies can't do. And I think that's and, super important, especially right, today. And, and not not just um, not just locally, uh, because but because we do have a lot of local stuff we do, but but on a more of a national level and and up into Canada as well. So. Mm-hmm. So one of the themes that I mean for your business is obvious is you know the family nature of it right your mm-hmm. your dad's in the business your grandpa obviously started the company your mm-hmm. sister joined the business um, I've done some like uh, when I went to school I worked with the uh, Family Enterprise Center mm-hmm. at um, UNC mm-hmm. and one of the things they always talk about is managing the dynamics of you know yes we have a company and, and yes we want to be successful but at the end of the day we're always blood. We're uh-huh. always a family. Right. So, how? I mean, when you guys went home and, and you had supper, were you always talking business? How did you manage both the, both sides of the house? Uh, was that sort of a constant struggle? Yeah, it, it was. It was. My mother, who also worked here, she worked here and actually, see, because I was the only kid that came into the business. My other sisters sort of went on their a different track. And my middle sister, who's in the business with me now, she came in for a little while in 96, worked a few years, and then left, and then didn't come back until we did that major computer switch in, in 2007, like right before the crash, and she's been here ever since. So um, it was one of those things in a family, when there's business like that, you just, my mother didn't want to talk about it. She didn't want it to sort of 
absorb. It was bad enough that it absorbed, you know, as much as it did every day of our life, much less when we were at home as a family. So once we got home as a family, we sort of stopped. Put up those walls. Right, we put up those walls. Now, my dad did get a lot more than me involved civically volunteering and doing a lot of that kind of stuff, like with JCs and and with youth organizations and with the Lions Club and with all that stuff. He's much more of a personable sales kind of guy. I'm, I'm not as much that way. I mean, I am a little bit, especially as I've aged and have gotten a lot more comfortable with myself. But, um, you know, he, he was really the sales guy. He was really the one that would go out and hunt for business and stuff and that and, and he's the one that came up and really expanded the store he was the one that got us into selling fire-rated lumber and plywood back in the 70s when no one else was doing it you know and that just really ballooned. blew up you when, you, when you were growing up did you did you know your dad was a little bit different than a lot of the other families and, and that he owned this business with your with your grandpa and that oh ever, yeah yeah I knew you know. I knew the history the history was it was all told to us and, and as a very proud thing you know uh, Raleigh um we were very proud to be in Raleigh and be a business in Raleigh and Raleigh was a smaller place then so it was this year this uh business park that we're in wasn't what it is today oh no yeah no it was it was totally different and what's interesting is we had a lot of our growth during those times that the city was just and there's and there's major time like early 80s like right right when reagan came in and there was that big boom and all the baby boomers were buying their homes and stuff we had big growth and sales and a big we are I think our employee number swelled from like, you know, 15 up to 25 or whatever. And, um, and then, you know, it, it, and then it sunk back down, you know, George Bush came in and there was the, the Gulf war. I remember that. And I remember it being like, you could hear a pin drop in here and we were looking around for stuff to do because it was just, it, there was a, it was a small recession, but it really did affect our business, you know, because of this Gulf War and this, you know, the, you know, that time and was very different. Um, and then it picked up again and it grew again. And then we started seeing a lot more uh, inflation uh, again. And we had seen, my granddad and my dad had seen a whole lot of inflation in the, um, in the, probably after the 60s, during the 70s, and then some during the 80s and then the 90s, it really, really did, on. did the same thing. So we would have to, we were constantly putting money into that reserve account and stuff as a buffer um, to sort of help um, offset, you know, uh, the cost of doing business, really. And is that really how it affects you guys? Is it... You, the working capital requirements just become larger and larger as the price of wood goes up. Is that your main concern or is there, is your concern also, well, how do we pass this price on to the customer and what are you uh, thinking of? You know, I mean, especially prevalent to right now with 
COVID and the, the surge of lumber prices, we, right? We've never been through anything like this. I, I've, I've never been through anything like this. Probably the closest thing to anything like this was more of my granddad's time when he first went into the business and you couldn't get stuff. So if you could get it, you could sell. So it's, it's a little bit like that. I mean, I can remember last year, because I buy all the treated lumber, and we had... Um, several decking packages that we had contracted and collected on because we always do a upfront deposit and we were selling um our decking boards as you know 15.99 for a 16 foot length well you just couldn't get it and it was like that for months finally we we cut off the quoting because it was like you couldn't get the stuff well the pricing just kept going up and up and up so we Finally, it got to the point where our cost on a 16-foot piece of decking was like 27 bucks. So think about that. You're working below water on that. So what we did, we I guess the good thing is we had a small, uh, to us, a pretty small stack of those. We did meet those obligations and and rode the wave up with everybody else. We had to. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's it's... Yeah, if we incur the cost, it's got to be, you know, you can't go in the hole with that. So, Would you um, mind just come a little yeah. So, I, you know, so I feel like we did the right thing, and um, it, you know, it's been trying. The probably the biggest thing for me uh, personally was when it first the, the pandemic first came about, and um, we decided to implement a mandatory mask wearing and we did this probably probably about a month or so before the governor governor cooper mandated it and so i got a lot of flack from a lot of old time customers and um but we felt like and talked about this with my sister you know we felt like you know we lose one person then we got to shut the place down and we've we've not shut the place down knock on wood We've not shut the place down yet. We've been open ever since. And, you know, I, I, I see myself as a, an essential worker. And I, you know, I just did get my vaccine, you know. Um, and I'm coming up with my second one here in mid-April. But, uh, um, but, but it was challenging times. We got a lot of um, flack from customers. We, because we have so many buildings and they're spread out, um, particularly on Saturdays, we do a lot of hardwood sales, and all of our hardwoods are in our hardwood building. And this building is about a 50 by 100 foot long building. We had 27, 28 people that would show up and want to get in there, but yet we could only let 10 people in at a time. So we had to come up with constructive ways to control the numbers of people that were in there. And there would be people waiting to get in. You know, we would say, is there something else you're interested in? Maybe you can go to another area of the store. You know, I mean, there were all kinds of things we did during that time. I mean, it's just, it's a little bit of a, it sort of glazes over you, you know, that you went through that. But, you know, we we had, um, we did a lot of curbside pickup stuff. We um, pulled together a lot of orders uh, for people that we didn't typically do. So our labor costs for last year were much higher because uh, we brought in a lot of temporary help and that kind of thing to sort of help 
with that. So, you know, there were, you know, we, we had good growth in sales, but we also had a lot of growth in expenses too. So, <laughs> Which not so, everyone, you know. Right, right. Especially the way people look at and right. This is something that gets to me: is people look at small businesses and they think, "Oh, they're just, you know, they're just making money hand over fist." You know, it's nah. It's, it's, you'd be surprised. It's, um, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you've got your, you, you've got your gross revenues, and then you've got your gross profit, and then you've got all your different um, expense accounts that you got to pay for to to include your employees and, you know, all their, the taxes that you pay on them for so you know, like just social security. I mean, I don't know if most people know this, but, um, you know, to a company that's, that's not 6.2%, that's 12.4% because the employer kicks in for the employee that extra 6.2%. So, you know, there's all kinds of costs that are embedded in our system that we've built. And, and I'm not saying I'm not putting down the system. I'm just saying that it's, that it is very costly and capital intensive. And that it, it, it does worry me a little bit about younger people going into business because if I was, if I was someone young like my granddad was and I came into this, and wanted wanted to do this, the amount of capital, the amount of sure capital that you'd have to have, and then you would have to really be a worker mm-hmm. because the business is still small. It takes everybody working at it. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you know, so it, it, it's interesting. You know, it's a, we're we're kind of a I don't want to say dinosaur, but we're we're kind of a, a, a unique. Understood. And that, you said young people, right? That's that's one of the reasons for this podcast is, you know, I'm trying to learn, you know, long term when I'm when I'm older, I'd like to buy or start my own business. And I'm sure there's a ton of people in my similar shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been you guys have been in business 70 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you've been through everything. You, you've got so many lessons passed down through generations. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know if you have a lesson in your head that you'd like to share, but you know, what advice do you have for someone like me who's who's hungry, who's interested in starting a company or, or buying a company, but doesn't quite know where to start, right? What are, are there some values or principles you guys have lived by? Don't be afraid to start small. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I always look back and, Feel like you've done the best you can. I think my granddad has a story that goes about my dad told me about it and, and whatever. And um, back in the 50s, he was doing a lot of contractors like building houses, and he was doing a lot of like um, loaning to the builder, you know, on through accounts receivables and things like that. He had a lot of money out, and he had a lot of nervous type ticks and different things like that that came out of that kind of worry but he he sat down one day and said you know i just can't i don't want to run the business like this this is just not for me so i think any young person going into business needs to really think about who they are and think about um if they're up for the the true challenge of starting a small business have they done their research on what the market is? Do they have ideas on how, if they did enter the market, what would their niche be? What would they bring? What would what value-wise would they bring to the market that 
X, Y, Z, whatever is doing that would be different and that would, that would, I hate to say it, but pull business away and you as a new business owner would then gain market share. And then I think you have to sit back and you have to be, um, don't get too cocky because things can shift really quick. And one thing I've always done, I've always been afraid, you know, I've heard stories of my granddad uh, during the depression and this, that, and the other. And um, so we've always run things here very, very lean. We do internal uh, loans and stuff. We don't do a lot of bank loans and stuff like that. We never really got into that too much. So we've really self-financed the business and it's kept the business small. I mean, we, I mean, look at, we started the same year or maybe a year after Lowe's did. We could have been on that same trajectory had we done things slightly different, but we didn't. And I guess what, what we have is we've got a very unique older business that has value um, and it's still you know taking care of people you know we, we've got 16 17 people on staff right now and um, you know we've kind of maintained that um, through you know the ups and downs of stuff we I think the most employees we ever had was around 25 26 um, and it was that was pretty crazy times. So um, just managing all of that. Yeah, just yeah. managing all that was 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 difficult for me, for my style. Because not everybody's me. You know, some somebody else might come in to it and look at it a totally different way, outsource a lot more of the business, be more of a deal maker, and turn the thing into a like four times the size or whatever. But that's not me. That's not what I ever really wanted. And, and you, and you and, kind of self-reflected on that a little bit earlier than maybe someone else would have. And it, it brought you to where you are today. You kind of recognized, these are my skill sets. This is what I'm good at. I mean, probably just a function of being in the business helped you to get there, right? It did. I've always been proud of the knowledge that I picked up in the industry. I pride myself you know, the, the little ladies that come in that need help, I still am on the front counter and I help them out and stuff. And there's a, there, there's a good feeling with that. You know, I'm not the guy that's going to go sit in a boardroom someplace and sit down a scotch with somebody and, you know, go, or go out to a golf course or whatever. I, you know, I, I tried that a little bit, but I was terrible at it. And I, I, I do surf. <laughs> I like surfing and I'm a pastel artist. Oh, okay. And my mother's an artist. She was able to get out of the business in her 50s and go back to uh, school and got uh, her art degree and has her own studio and does a lot of different things. Um, and she, ha- over the last four or five years, has uh, I'm her student, and she's uh, teaching teaching me how to do uh, pastel art. That's so I'm, beautiful. I'm doing that. And I'm yeah. hoping that when I retire, that I can sort of sink back into doing that a lot more. You can access previous episodes of Owner Operated and sign up for my free weekly newsletter, where I summarize topics from each episode and send them straight to your inbox at jonapalone.com in the show notes. That's jonapalone.com. And if you like the show, please leave a review and tell a friend to help more people find Owner Operated. Back to the episode.
what are kind of the next next plans for the business? That's a good question. Um, you know, I just recently in the last two years had my first two grandchildren and um, love them to death. But when you have when you have kids, that's one thing. There's a pressure there. Um, but there's a way. I mean, you love your kids, but there's a way you separate yourself a little bit. As a grandparent, your whole perception changes because um, number one, you realize how fast time's going. You know, you you look at your children who are having these children, and you say, "Wow, I'm really proud of that." And it 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 it, it makes you maybe a little bit more emotional than you even were when you had your child. You know what I'm saying? Because it's 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 just a different feeling. And it, and it really puts, I think it puts life in perspective because it's like you see the passage of time um, and whereas the business has always been important with me right now, it is important, but it's not the only thing. And there were a lot of years, like in my 30s, where it really had to be. My wife you was not working at the time when the kids were there and stuff. And, you know, I worked a lot of long hours, and there were a lot of things happening, a lot of growth, a lot of volatility in the business, this and the other. Um, and I just sort of shut down. And it was, you know, it, 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 it wasn't the best. And I think I'm, you know, I've paid for that in, in certain ways. But um, but uh, with my grandchildren, I'm not going to do that. It's going to be more open. And if it means, you know, if, if neither one of my children are interested in the business or my sister's kids are interested in the business, we'll, we'll sell the business or we'll, we'll do whatever we need to do to get out of it. It will have had a place, a purpose for a period of time because everything, I think, has a, you know, they say all businesses have a life, just like a person, it's an entity. And um, I want it to continue, but I also know I'm getting older. And so I have to really be realistic about looking at all the different options. And I think that's where I am now. And I'm just on the cusp of really looking at it that way. So Got it. Yeah, man, that's powerful stuff right there. That's um, wow, that's cool. That's with the pastel art and your and your mom. I mean, are, that must be bringing you guys closer together than it is. You know, you know, um, it they created a studio for me. See, because I I've, I've sort of gone beyond a little bit beyond student. I was student where she was there all the time when I did stuff, and now I've gotten to where I've got like my own style. And now we like, like I do it and she's like, well, what do you think of this? And I said, well, no, I don't want to do it that way. So now we're like, it's not like we're equals. I mean, we'll never be equals, (laughs) but, but, but I'm starting to say, you know, I like, I like dotting there. I like tech, more texture there. And she's like, you know, try pan pastels. I'm like, no, I don't want to, that's makeup, you know, (laughs) you know, so anyway, 
That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Hopefully some of our listeners are interested in pastel painting. Right. <laughs> um, so a couple last questions for you, Ed, and i got to thank you. You've been super gracious with your time, okay. so thank you. Um, it's been fun. Yeah. It's been eye-opening. Yeah. That's good. Um, your role in the business today, you know, what's your kind of daily responsibilities? You know, walk me through kind of what you do in a, in a, on a day. How many hours you work in? What's the lifestyle of the business like? I'm here by 8.15, 8.30, and I'm usually leaving around, or we close at 4.30, but I usually stay a, a, an extra 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes, and catch up on paperwork, and pet, catch up on paperwork, and um, emails, calls. Um, you know, I negotiate all the insurance, and all that stuff. I'm really, I really kind of wear a lot of hats here, which I like. I really do like having my hands really in everything. And I really liked when um, I did the books here. Uh, there was a period of about 10 years. My mother, who was a, an accountant or a, or a bookkeeper at uh, Ivy's department store, she, my dad, my dad, they married, and the, uh, he brought her into the business, and she ended up becoming the the bookkeeper. And so she worked as the bookkeeper for 20 some years, all during the time I was in school. And, you know, she'd come home and be there when we got home from school, but she, she worked at Capital City and she was the bookkeeper, you know, and whatever. Well, she, when I came into the business and was really getting into management and whatever, I, st- I started going and doing all the different jobs and stuff. And um, the last one was really diving into those books and really understanding cash flow and really understanding, you know, how to forecast that kind of thing and really understanding, um, you know, should we take, you know, we've been approached by this contractor that wants us to do this, you know, have we vetted him? Have we checked if this, you know, do we feel comfortable with this? And we would, and of course the salesman, at that time we had more outside salespeople, so I always sort of felt myself in the middle because I had to play. I was working with them and I wanted them to be successful, but at the end of the day, if we didn't get paid, <laughs> I was the one that was going to be getting on the phone and doing collecting, you know, because I, I, I was sort of wearing all that. Yes, then. And, um, but, but really doing the books, really grabbing those bank statements and grabbing all those receipts and bringing everything together. Making those connections. Making those connections, understanding all those classes, where everything goes, what all your expenses are, boom, 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 and that you're on a growth trajectory and that you try to maintain that. And that if something, um, from an expense standpoint, starts to get out of hand, you can quickly adjust it and tweak it. You get your finger right on the right. Pulse. And one of the things that's happened that's, that I've had to let go is as my sister has come in, who has a whole lot more accounting knowledge from her past employment than I ever did, she's really modernized us. And I've had to let a lot of that stuff go and sort of fade back and be more, you know, I mean, of course, I look at the books and I'm up on it and I analyze all that stuff, but, but you know, I had to let it go and I had to focus on what my strengths were, which is getting out with the customers and working with the employees and doing more management side. Um, you know, 
internal disputes. I mean, that's a big party business. I mean, you can have an employee that is just like uh, calls on a real issue in your business, and you have to you have to know how to look at that and deal with it. And you know what I'm talking about. I, do. I mean, just so so I mean, there's all kinds of things that there's just it's it's coming from from all angles if you're a business owner. And you have to be open to it. You can't close down uh, if it's a small business. Now, if you go work for a big company and you're in a certain department, this, that, and the other, yeah, you can focus on that. But if you're a small business owner and you're starting out mm-hmm. and you're doing everything, <laughs> you, need, you better know everything. <laughs> for so. sure. Right. One thing you mentioned was when you came into the business, you started wearing all the different hats to sort of learn it and get that experience. You know, part of me almost says that that's a necessity, especially in a family business when, you know, the awkward dynamic kind of could, could come in, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you're, oh, yeah, that's the son. He's going to he's going to go rise to the top. Oh, obviously, yeah. you know, he doesn't have that many skills. You know, you almost have to overcompensate and be, you know, you, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? You do. And and, you know, I uh, a long time ago uh, and in my 30s, I became very isolated and I, I was isolated at work and I was a little bit isolated at home, too, because, you know, things would happen at work. and I didn't really have a way to you know deal with it so it's like my way was to just sort of shut down and go find a book someplace and read or do whatever or go on a walk or do whatever but um and i think that's why i was the way i was you know because i didn't really have any friend at work everybody knew that i was the up and coming my dad was still here of course but i was getting more and more of the what are we going to do type decisions and um you know, so I had to make those those calls, and it, it was it was a, you know, it was very different than being the founder of the business. It was coming into a very established business, and I'm not saying ride the coattails, but look for ways to look at the business and how can we make what's happening right now on the ground market wise and. Um, in our society, how can we make our business viable and important to the community? And I feel like we've done that, I would say. Um, and I feel pretty proud about it. So, um, and I, I, I really thank my sister a lot for when she came into the business because during that time, I was. Um, it was right before the big crash, and had she not been here for a full year prior to that, with us implementing a new computer system, um, that would have been very difficult to handle myself. And you're talking about Rachel, is that right? No, I'm talking about my sister Edie. 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 Okay. Yeah. Got it. And um, you know that that was a a, a wholly different thing because what happened during that time was instead of inflation going on in the market there was deflation going on in the market so what was happening to that reserve fund was then those monies were being paid out to stockholders (laughs) and um but we would buy and the prices were here and then the prices would drop but yet we still had the inventory at this so to be competitive, you've got to what? 
lower your price. So, okay, so what does that do to your margin? Your margin is the difference between what your what your cost is mm-hmm. and what you're going to make. You know, that's your margin, your gross gross margin. It squeezes so it right it out. So it squeezes mm-hmm. it right out. So during that time, we really had to. My sister and I both had to take pay decreases. We had to. Um, we let some people go through um, through attrition. We never we never laid off anybody. Some people left, and we just never rehired. Uh, and we felt very very proud of that. So we we made it through that time. That would have been late 08, 09, and ten. Uh, and then we started coming out of it, and it's just really. So I've got two more questions for you, and we'll wrap up here. We're coming up on an hour. Um, You mentioned books. I'm a huge bookworm. I love books. Any book recommendations? doesn't have to be about business, but it could be. Any book recommendations? Tolstoy. Okay. Um, I can't remember the name of the book that he wrote, but it was about uh, Anna... Anna something, Anna Karina. Okay, I'll look it up. Yeah, look it up. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's very emotional. You know, I, I find myself as I'm aging, I'm a little bit more of an emotional type of guy. And I'm more, you know, I got a degree in sociology. That was my college degree. So I was always really into psychology and I would banter back and forth with my social psychology professor, you know, and, and then I'd write a paper and he'd send it back to me, uh, do this over again. This is illiterate, you know, something, you know, something stupid on it like that, just to sort of make me like put me down in my place, you know? So, but, um, but, you know, right now reading, um, really over the last year, I've really been diving into, um, the economist magazine. Got it. Uh, keeping up with what's going on in the world, uh, keeping up with what's going on with um, uh, that container price thing is really affecting some of my import pricing on like exotic species of hardwoods and different things like that. I mean, some things you just can't get, but I've got customers wanting it and, you know, we're seeking it out still. So I'm really trying to get get a handle on what's going on more globally financially right now because this the you know the thing with the pandemic has really affected everybody you know so i've kind of set some of the fun reading down (laughs) and picked up more of the more of the serious (laughs) stuff this show is brought to you by midstreet mergers and acquisitions a family business and business intermediary based out of Raleigh, North Carolina, that specializes in selling businesses generating $1 to $25 million in revenue in the Southeast. If you own a business and are considering an exit or know someone who is, check out their website and contact them at midstreet.com. That's M-I-D street.com. Obviously, we're sitting in a facility right now. Hustle and bustle is starting to die down. You know what? What's next for you guys? And what are you do, what are you doing right now in terms of initiatives? Um, um, we're going to continue to try to grow our Total Wood Store platform. Um, and you know we're going to. I think that one thing that I'm reading a lot about is that 
shopping for people and the way they view it is very different now than it was. And um, we've always been sort of a cash and carry business and we've always been the, the, the place where the little old lady can come in and the guy can walk behind her with the sticks and put it in her car and, you know, what, you know that kind of thing. But this virus and all the stuff that's happened and with the, you know, orders being pre-pulled and curbside pickup and stuff, that's put from a standpoint of the sheer labor involved in putting products together. And I'm not talking about, like, big packages. I'm talking like somebody needs a board. Somebody's got to go out and hunt that board down, make sure it's a good one, you know, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? And it's just one board <laughs> from a retail standpoint. So, you know, it's just all those things. I said we wrap there. Okay. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. This has yep. been awesome. Yep. That was good. Yep.